in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, I think we're going to pick up at. But I would that you should understand, I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I, know, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And so uh, on page four of the handout, uh, we are still on number three, the item uh, number three, deliverance, 19 through 20. And that's by Christ via the prayers of the saints. That's verse 19 again. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And so we already looked at letter A. Paul looked for and expected deliverance through the prayers of the saints. And we talked last week about we are actively engaged in the moving of God. God commands us to pray on the behalf of others and moves in response to, uh, to uh, should be our prayer. And I, I think it's very, it's not just important, it's something we should <laughs> praise God for that he not just invites, but we are part of his plan for how he moves on our planet. He tells us to pray for one another. And he acts in response to our prayers, and that's why Paul says there that he, or that's why we can see that Paul expected to be delivered through the prayers of, uh, of the believers there. And so uh, we started that last week, and then I don't think we got to letter one there, or number one, Acts 12, 1 through 19. I think we've talked about this. Uh, all Everything we're going to talk about today seems familiar to me, so uh, if it's just repetitive, just, uh, you know, pray, I guess. <laughs> Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now, about the time that Herod uh, the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And I just want to pause there for a second that, you know, as I read this, I was thinking about the fact that James was killed by, uh, by Herod. And James, of course, one of uh, the three closest disciples to the Lord Jesus and uh, uh, Peter, James and John. And uh, then Peter was taken also, and so prayer is made without ceasing by the church for Peter, and Peter is delivered. We're going to get to that in a minute here, but I just wanted to, uh, I guess, pause and just think about the fact that James was killed, and James was murdered by Herod, and prayer without ceasing was made for Peter. Is it that the prayer without ceasing is what saved Peter's life? I think it, it definitely is part of, uh, of how God delivered him. And of course, you know, uh, this, this is a, I guess I, I point all that out because this specific mo- note was made in, the, in, the, in this passage, prayer was made without ceasing of the church uh, to God for him. And I think it's important for us to understand our prayers are part of God's plan 
for how he moves in our world. And so every one of us as believers, we are we have this incredible obligation <laughs> to pray for everyone around you and pray for matters involving uh, our lives and matters involving the country and and the things we have an obligation and we have this special privilege that God gives us to intercede to God for those around us. And I, I think it's I think that this passage put in here, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So let's go ahead and continue reading verse six. And when, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, um, and, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, uh, uh, saying, Arise, Rise up quickly. And, and his chains fell off from his hands. And this angel said unto him, Gird thyself and burnt, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he, uh, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment uh, about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, uh, but thought he saw a vision. And what's interesting in this passage is everybody we're going to read about, all the saints that are commanded to pray and are faithfully doing so, including Peter, none of them are believing what's happening. <laughs> Peter doesn't believe until much later that, that, uh, that this is real. <laughs> and so anyway, um, so, okay, but he saw, thought he saw a vision. Verse 10. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into, unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through, the, through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, when the, uh, where the many were, were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel uh, came to hearken, who named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. <laughs> I mean, just think about this. They are praying for Peter's deliverance. Peter is knocking at the door. She says, Peter's at the door. And they say, You're crazy. <laughs> I just think this is so amazing. <laughs> But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. <laughs> Boy, man, we are a mess, aren't we? Humanity is a mess. <laughs> Redeemed, saved souls, we are a mess. Can I get an amen there? Amen. We just don't have faith. Where's our faith? <laughs> Verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. <laughs> and when, it came, when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. It's so amazing. This is just so just striking how, how how greatly we lack faith even as even and, and and it's also a testimony to god's grace despite their lack of faith despite all these things despite all these challenges god is still moving in answer to their prayers glory to god but peter continued knocking when they had opened the door and saw him they were astonished but he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And this is James, the, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. And so, um, and uh, and when Herod had, uh, uh, let's see. Okay, verse 18. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what, had, what was become of Peter. <laughs> and when Herod sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And verses 20 through 24, 25 are Herod pre, uh, presenting himself to a, a group that uh, 
that are, he is highly displeased with. And he makes an oration to them, and they say it's the voice of a god, not of a man. And he is smitten by the angel of the Lord, or uh, smitten by, uh, let's see, immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. So he commands that this entire what, four quaternions of soldiers, I don't know how many it is, but it's a lot. He commands, I guess, that they all be killed because Peter's gone. And then he dies shortly thereafter. It's, it's rather extraordinary. And, and, and the fact that God ha- is as patient with humankind as he is, is amazing. <laughs> his own people, Peter, again, even Peter in his defense, you know, he just thinks he's in a vision. But nobody is believing the hand of God. And so, uh, and Herod, all this is, is an extraordinary illustration of the fact that God is faithfully moving, and he expects the people of God to pray, and it is moving in response to their prayers, and we are to, to have faith. The Bible says these things are written as, as examples unto us. These things are written so that we may learn, the people in this room, that we may learn and adjust our thinking Pray in faith and expect God to answer. That doesn't mean that we're always going to get exactly what we think, but God is always going to answer. And he's going to answer according to what is right in his eyes and what's best. And so um, this is just an amazing illustration of God moving in response to people's prayers. And so uh, let her be here. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I have a side note. <laughs> so my side note is, is that it was really a miracle that Herod could not see that none of his efforts could successfully oppose God. Isn't this amazing? All the things that they have seen up in this, this isn't the first miracle Herod has seen. All these things that they have seen have been exposed to, and the Jews also, listen, all these people who have rejected Christ at this point, they are rejecting it in spite of all the things that they have witnessed and heard with their own eyes and senses. And yet they are still rejecting and at some point, you know, it would make sense if people would like, like the, like, I don't know if you guys ever read in Genesis with what was happening, or Exodus, what was happening with uh, the Egyptians and the Jewish people. At some point, why didn't they say, you know what, all these gods we've been worshiping, clearly they're not gods. Israel's God is the true God. Why didn't they come to that conclusion? Now, there was there was one plague that uh, that God gave them a warning that all the uh, the beasts that were in the field were uh, and for anybody any men that were left in the field were I can't I'm, I'm misquoting <laughs> left and right but anyway there's this plague that was coming they could get their cattle and their men out of the field or they could leave them there the Bible did say that some of them did fear and brought their people and the cattle inside but the ones who didn't their their men and their cattle were destroyed. You know, at what point do people stop believing what they think is right and start believing what God is presenting to us? God is constantly revealing himself to us, and he's expecting us to believe. <laughs> Certainly believe in Jesus Christ and, and follow, be, become followers of Christ, but believe in the sense that understanding that God is real and he is moving in the world. Uh, this, the, the belief of the deist is, to me, dumbfounding. You know, and the, their belief is that, that God, yeah, he made everything, but he's not inter, in, interceding in the lives of men. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He just winds, up and winds us up and let us, lets us go. And so everything is up to us. And, you know, folks, the, the things that man comes up with, <laughs> you know, are just truly astounding. That's why God gives us a, a, a completed word of God to tell us the truth. So that we don't have to make up our own understanding of things. 
And so uh, I thought it was a miracle that Herod could not see that none of his, his efforts could successfully oppose God. And just on that thought, I want to turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 and verse 38. Acts chapter 5, verse 38. I, this is, despite everything I just said, this is one person <laughs> who very clearly, and you know, I, I guess what I was trying to say is really in a sense it's just common sense. It's common sense just to fear God. So let me just read this. <laughs> now this was the apostles. They were, they were preaching and teaching the name of Jesus. And the, uh, the, uh, the uh, chief priests, the Pharisees, they were telling them not to. <laughs> so um, let me just back up to verse, verse 37. No, no, no. Uh, let's back up to verse... I'm sorry. <laughs> Verse 34, then stood up, stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, ha, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that ye, what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thetis, uh, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain and all all. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. And after this rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if, if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Isn't that interesting? All throughout human history, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now you see in, in the book of Revelation, people crying that the rocks would fall on them to hide them from the face of the Lamb. You know what would make more sense than crying to rocks to fall on you? Submitting yourself to the Lamb. <laughs> and however, mankind seems to be stuck in this. It's not just, it's not just mankind. Satan is fomenting this rebellion against God. And man, rather than have, putting his faith in God, seems to default to the wrong way all the time throughout human history. And so I guess the point that I'm kind of making here is that what Gamaliel's point that he comes to is, hey, look, if we keep opposing this, we are going to be standing against God. And you cannot win standing against God. So I think someone could come to the conclusion, well, why does Satan fight against God? Well, you see, Satan has already lost. However, Satan is not a good loser. <laughs> he is trying to inflict as much pain upon God as he can. He cannot directly hurt God, can he? There is no power that can hurt God. So why is he doing this? Because God loves man. Therefore, he hurts God by keeping mankind from coming into the relationship with Christ for which Christ already bled and died. So the only way Satan gets to hurt God is by keeping us from the truth. Our entire country, we're all buried in all these foolish ways in which man thinks. And so many heartbreaking things. And I've, I've read things this week, and I'm not telling you any of them because they break my heart. And I don't want to weigh anybody else down with that. I mean, I'm sure most of you have seen it anyway. But the point is, is these things are happening. Why aren't man fearing God? Why are they just so quick to let me take this, let me take this, let me take this? None of it agrees, and yet they all say it's, it's, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. Mankind is so foolish in his disbelief 
It's shocking. And so here we are as, I, I hope everybody in this room is saved. Here we are as the children of God. Our place is to believe God and walk in obedience to him. And not keep it to ourselves. But and, and you know the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. That's why it says in John that the Holy Spirit is there to to uh, uh, I'm going to misquote it. <laughs> in my mind, it's like it pulls it up and then it just quits. <laughs> anyway, the Holy Spirit is there to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Is that is that right? Does that sound right? That's right. Okay. So the Bible says the Holy Spirit is active in the world. God expects us. To live in obedience to him, testify of him. So while we're testifying of him, if we're going to be obedient, if we're going to walk in the ways of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is touching people's lives and convicting them that it's the truth. It doesn't mean that they will automatically turn to God. However, they will have to say no. They will have to say, I don't believe that. I'm going to keep going this way. Do men do that? Yes. Men love darkness rather than light. So our place is to continue walking with God. And listen, folks, it's not in vain. <laughs> if nobody ever responded to the Lord through our testimony or because of our testimony, it still would not be in vain. To obey God is its own reward. Our place is to be faithful to him who is faithful to us. That's the bottom line. And so uh, it's, it's, a foolish, it's, it's foolish to oppose God. And I have this, um, this verse, I wanted to go on with that too, in uh, 2 Timothy, if you guys like to turn there, 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 24, give you guys a second, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that <laughs> oppose themselves. So there's people opposing God, <laughs> and there's and and in the in the same process they're opposing themselves. And so that's what the Word of God is: is the ability to help us see beyond ourselves and see beyond what we see with our own eyes. This is sight. The fact that God gives us all of these these records and truth. To help us understand that what you see or what you think you see in front of you, there is far more beyond. There is eternity. There is the spirit world. There is so many, so many things that God wants us to understand. However, man is constantly seeking that which gratifies his flesh, gratifies himself. And the Bible says that they're opposing themselves. And the, the best way to have a happy life is not to follow your own impulses. <laughs> it's to follow God. The Bible's very clear that he puts joy on the inside. God puts it there. And he puts it there for those who love him and obey him. And so people who constantly are chasing after things to make themselves happy, they get it. The Bible says, like the, like the Israelites who said, give us flesh to eat, we're tired of manna. God gave them flesh. He gave them quails to about a month's worth, the Bible says. And while they had the meat between their teeth, the Bible says God sent leanness into their souls. <laughs> thing is, is God will let us. This is the real tragedy of the whole thing. God will let us chase after things that are meaningless. The way to have a happy life or a blessed life is to follow the Lord. 
and live in obedience to him. And let God put contentment and happiness directly into the heart. You can't get it. You can't go and get something and shove it in. It doesn't work. God will let you go get it, and then you'll be lean when you get it. And so our place is to obey him and trust in him and walk in his ways. And let me just finish that verse. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his, at his will. And that's, of course, the whole story, is that a lot of people, they believe, as they're shaking their fist at God, they believe that they are going their own way. But what they're actually doing is follow, falling in line and doing what Satan tells them to do. And listen, our our country is chock full of people doing Satan's will today. You know, they're turning their backs on us. You know, it just breaks my heart that our schools are just they're They're just factories to turn out people that are absolutely dedicated to lies. Our schools are pumping them out. It's it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. The, The coming generations, they will know less and less and less by default about the, about the truth. And it's not just about God. It's not just about spiritual things, about religion. It's about basics. They won't understand two plus two. They won't understand basic truths. Because they're, listen, they're, if you can't see it today, it's because you don't want to see it. That they are undermining everything. The people who are graduate from our schools, they will know less than the people who graduated ten years ago. And they will know less than that. That group will know less than the other ones 10 years before that. We used to be leaders in the world. We used to be leaders in science and medicine. We used to have the medicine that people all around the world came to us for. What do we have now? We have a mess. We have nothing but a mess. Listen, the, the folks that have taken power in America are destroying America. And they're doing it on purpose. Okay, yeah, Brother Brett's getting political again. <laughs> Listen, folks, the people in power, they're not trying to make anything better. They are actively seeking to destroy our country. Ships off the coast, not docking. <laughs> Billionaires buying farmland and covering it with cover crops. And listen, these vaccines and... Listen, all I'm, not, all I'm saying is the government doesn't have a right to tell you what you have to put in your body. They don't have a right to do that. So, <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> and, and listen, God can give us the absolute way in which we walk and not just have to be afraid of, of, of uh, you know, jerking to the left or to the right in a haphazard way. God can guide us unfailingly in the way that he wants us to go. And so I have one more note about this, and, and that's, that's the entire thought that we have. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5.16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so as, as we walk with it, it's a complete picture. You know, you, you really, yes, you can be a born-again Christian, and you can pray, but if your life is not that which is right in God's eyes, You know, very clearly, this passage says what it says for a reason. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not that our prayers don't mean anything. It's that the person who's walking with God, trying to be obedient to the Lord, trying to walk in the ways that please him and not the world and not ourselves. Listen, their prayers mean a lot. 
Very clearly, you can see how like people like Daniel, as he prayed unto God, he was trying to do everything he was supposed to do. And what did the angel say when, da- when Daniel was praying and seeking the Lord and, and not even hearing things immediately? Finally, the angel said, you are a man greatly beloved of God. I think, I think it's safe to say most of us want to be that. <laughs> the way to be that is to walk with God. Now, very clearly, God loves us all. You guys know that. I I don't need to tell you that. God loves us all. But there are people in Scripture. The Bible says Enoch walked with God, and then he was not because God took him. Daniel was a man greatly beloved. David was a man after God's own heart. Listen, clearly, God loves us all, no question about it, to the point where he sent his own son to die on our behalf. Glory to God for that. And he rose again the third day, ensuring salvation for as many as would believe. But there are people in Scripture, they drew nigh unto God, and their lives had an important meaning to God. Their cries unto God meant a lot to God. (laughs) And like James says here, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we need to be righteous. We need to walk with God, and we need to pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray that God help us all to be the people he wants us to be. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray against all of Satan's devices at work in the world. All of the things that he's actively doing to hurt our country and to keep people from the truth. And the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I think that God has at times, I know God at times has withheld judgment. And folks, maybe judgment is what we need. Maybe that is actually the best thing for us. Maybe so. But maybe we can also pray that God would move and keep us from destroying ourselves. We should be praying regardless. So Pastor and Chris are standing there. And uh, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for the truth. And thank you, Lord, for the way in which you've reached into our lives and grasped our attention and helped us to understand that you are real and that you have all that we need and that we need to cling to you with all of our hearts and not fret about what is going on in our world. We thank you that you're able to take care of us. And we pray for everyone here today, every family, every person. Lord, please meet the needs of of our families, our homes. Help us, Lord, to fear you and walk in your ways. Help us to be righteous people and help us to pray. And we pray for in the coming hour that you be glorified. Pastor Ken would preach your word and, and you'd give him the words to say and that you'd give us all ears to hear and receive all that you have for us. Thank you for your, your goodness. And uh, thank you and ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming, Abby. Oh, I have many things to show you. <laughs>